Yo, 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 man, what up, man? We back. It's the one yeah. and only. And I am joined here uh, by my boy, uh, my man's right here, man. One-fourth of the JVP, the world-famous Joe Butter podcast. Got to give it up for my man Parks on the board. The one and only Parks. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. First off, I got to start by saying this, bro. The setup looks cool. I don't know where the hell you're at right now. I don't know if that's your studio. That shit looks that's good. the crib. You got to look like a club right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I appreciate you doing this, man. You know, uh, obviously we got history and we'll touch on that history here in a second. But one thing that I was telling you right now before we hit record was that I've had a lot of people that have committed to doing interviews for the platform. And for whatever reason, they haven't done them. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know that, you know, you're, you're a busy guy and you've always made time for me. And I want to say that I appreciate you, you, Joe, the whole entire uh, JVP family have always shown so much love to me and you guys have contributed so much to what I'm doing. You know, you guys, look, man, you guys have birthed like a generation of podcasters, whether or not y'all know it or not, right? <laughs> no and doubt. I, and I happen to be one of them, man. You know, I, uh, if it wasn't for conversations that I had with, with Maul and just being able to see what you guys have done with y'all's platform, I would never be doing this here. Thank you, man. Yeah, you're welcome, man. It's all love. You know, you, you know how we do. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Well, you know, and I think that's interesting. Well, let, let's talk about that here for a second. Obviously, we talk about birthing a, a generation of podcasters, right? Like, I don't know that, you know, because uh, obviously I've interviewed you before. When I first started kind of dabbling into this and started figuring it out, uh, you, you gave me an interview, and I was kind of letting you know that it's a really interesting thing now with where, where you guys have gone with this because, you know, congratulations, number one podcast of all of Spotify in 2019 you know that's a massive deal i don't think anybody could have forecasted that happening yeah man i mean listen we work hard so and 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 shout out to everyone that listens because it's appreciated and doesn't go unnoticed for sure well you know i think that's the thing that uh for me to you uh i see a lot of people asking you for advice and there's so many things that that make their you know you guys show so good and I think a lot of it is the fact that there's a great dynamic, great chemistry, the content is fresh. But aside from that, the one thing that I think you get complimented the most on, which you play a big part in, is the actual quality of the recording. It sounds so good. I see people always asking you for advice as far as, you know, how to produce a podcast, uh, you know, at the same level in terms of the quality, the audio of it. Uh, what advice would you give people? Because I know that you always say there's no real secret sauce to it. Not really. It's really just years of uh, doing shit, you know, as far as audio goes. Like, I've, I've done studio stuff. I've done live stuff. I've done broadcast stuff. And you just learn a little bit each little thing you do and adapt it to what you're doing. And, you know, it, it takes time. It takes uh, effort. Um, there's no magic bullet, really. There's no, oh, this one mic is going to make it perfect. Like, you got to experiment with shit. You got to try different rooms in the house you gotta try different plugins and just kind of be patient like it's, it's no there's no magic bullet what would you say you would attribute a, a big part of the success to the show to obviously i think that it goes without saying you guys are are absolutely committed to to producing content at a high level and producing content altogether. i i I want to touch on that because I think a lot of times people that get into like podcasting and wanting to develop their own show, consistency is key, but a lot of people start and then they stop. You know, what would you say, you know, in, 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 in terms of that, that you would chime in on? 
I mean, it's the same thing with music is you got to kind of treat the shit like a job. Like you can't, you can't just take days off because you feel like it. Like if you have a nine to five, you still got to go to work, even if you don't feel like going to work. And it's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with podcasts. Like you got to figure it out. Um, obviously having, you know, a great team, obviously with Joe at the, the, the helm, but everyone has their, their position, their role. And, um, we all chip in to, to make a good show and we're all good friends and, you know, we kick it, you know, like, like friends do. So that, that helps out a lot. Let's talk about Joe here for a second. Uh, whenever the podcast came together, cause I do want to talk about the podcast here briefly. Uh, when it all, the, the, the birth of it and when it all came together, how was it brought to you? You know, how, how did this all come together? What was the idea, the vision behind it? Was it like, Hey, I want to do this podcast and, you know, obviously we mentioned not being able to forecast where it would go, but just kind of wanting to get into the the the, the inception of the beginning of it. Uh, I mean, the beginning of it, I can't speak on as much. I mean, I was around, obviously, uh, you know, because we were doing sessions with Joe. You know, I've always been super tight with, you know, him and his manager at the time was Corey. And, you know, we kicked it all the time. So um, I, I have some insight, but maybe not as much as, as he or Rory may. Um Joe was interested in doing broadcast stuff. He, he, he had a, a, a stint at Hot 97 doing um, radio, and he was always interested in it. And uh, I believe it was Rosenberg that kind of talked him into uh, doing a podcast, and they started it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, it's kind of just grown from there, and he's just always stayed consistent doing it. So, And your role just kind of evolved as it went on? You just kind of – yeah, I mean, the first, the first, I guess, season or whatever you might say, I used to be at the studio a lot because we would go to the recording studio for music after that. So I'd meet them there and occasionally I would get on the mic and talk um, like when we had an album drop or just whenever. Sometimes you'd be like, yo, Parks, come in here and talk. I'd be like, all right, cool. Um, and then we, he moved to a studio that we were recording out of in Jersey. And I, I did the first bunch of episodes there but um i was super busy doing stuff uh aside from joe stuff but i was doing joe stuff and premiere stuff and whatever else i was doing so i couldn't really be there all the time so we had the uh in-house engineer there pat take over um and he did a great job um but then that studio went down for for uh renovation basically they moved but right in the same area Anyway, long story short, he said, hey, can we record at your place? And I said, sure. Because we had done a couple uh, a couple of shows here while we were doing the Rage album. Um, so we had, you know, we had done a couple here. Um, but then they moved here and, you know, we it just kind of started clicking and vibing from there. So we kept it moving. Well, you know, you mentioned the Rage album. And, and just to kind of give the, the viewers and the new viewers a little bit of a history lesson, uh, I first booked Joe through Corey in 2015, so five That's years correct. ago. Yes. Five years ago, I, I I booked Joe, and then from that point forward, I went on to book him, I, I believe, eight times in the span of like 18 months, right? I always say this, you know, proudly. I, I rock with Joe before it was cool to rock with Joe, right? You know, I, <laughs> I'm a fan of him as a rap artist, and I actually found it very interesting that towards the tail end of the last set of shows that I did with you guys, right? Which we had just transitioned into Ian taking over. And uh, Ian actually wasn't able to make uh, the Texas run. So we had Keeves running it, right? Yeah. And I started noticing that we we saw an increase in in attendance. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, from the very first show that I booked you guys to the very last show that I booked you guys, attendance more than doubled. Mm. And so uh, as a promoter, I'm extremely happy because I'm, I'm feeling like, I'm playing a part in the growth, but at the same time, I started noticing that 
people that were coming to the shows were, were more podcast fans now. And that's when it hit me. I was like, yo, what am I missing? Because, you know, I remember the first time I booked you, you were there. You, you were always the DJ. Right. And that's how I met you. And then by the time we were, we were, we were out, you know, the last set of shows, people were like lining up to take photos with you. Like you, you became part of the, the show. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I thought it was really interesting how the, the, the seeds started being planted since then and even prior to that, you know, because, uh, you know, I wasn't up on the podcast. Right. I, th- I thought it was so crazy to see that. And I always wondered, like, damn, I wonder how Parks just started, like, how you felt in specific, kind of like going from, you know, not being the, the known personality to essentially gaining some form of celebrity through this you know? um it's weird but it's cool you know what i'm saying like I'm, I'm used to even even back in the shows when there were smaller shows with you or wherever uh, in the country where we were people knew me because joe was always you know on live in the studio or whatever he said my name on a lot of records um i was mixing and recording and producing a lot of stuff for him almost everything for him so you know his fan base his his true core music fan base knew me a little bit but, you know, obviously the podcast is a much broader, bigger fan base. So um, it's it's been cool, man. I, I, I enjoy it. Well, man, again, I have to say that I'm proud of you guys. You know, you guys, the last time I saw you guys was in Dallas. And it was in a theater full of 2,500 fans sold out, you know. And, and I, I shared the story, uh, I think, with you. And I was like, man, I got teary-eyed, you know what I'm saying? Because you go from that little 150 room or 400 room or whatever it was mm-hmm. and see it grow and to see it continue to grow because – you guys were actually supposed to be here in April prior to all this stuff happening. And that was leveling up to like a whole nother realm. It was like, you know, and Ian had mentioned to me, he's like, I see this going into 4,000, 6,000 cap arenas type stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a wild ride going from, you know, doing shows, whether it was in Texas or like I said, in the, anywhere else in the country, uh, uh, you know, small, small spots, man. We were doing shit in Cleveland and Iowa, you know, all over the place that were like a hundred people in there. You know what I mean? So now doing 3000 people rooms is insane. It's insane, man. And I, and I think it's important to touch on that because a lot of times when, you know, people see the, the level of success that the show's had, the level of success that you guys as a team have had, you know, not only with the podcast, but also with the other online content that you guys produce, obviously mm. You're, you're involved on every level, whether it be the pull-up or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys really paid your dues. You know what I'm saying? We, we talk about the chitling circuit, but you guys really paid your dues. Like, you guys really hit the road and, you know, you guys really stayed at it when it was, like, not cool to stay at it, whenever there wasn't a whole lot of money in staying at it, whether it be on the music side or just producing content in general. And I think that's the story that people really need to hear outside of just the success 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 number one podcast you know people need to realize there was a journey that got to that point you know uh, yeah because people get so fixated on the end result they they fail to realize the process that got to them you know yeah i was just talking about that the other day on twitter with someone that was saying you know how our engineers able to make a living when you know everyone seems to be coming out of nowhere, overnight success. And it's like, no, no one really has overnight success. I mean, in, in some cases it happens. Some A video goes viral or something like that. But for the most part, people have been grinding for years, us included. And people don't notice it because we're doing 200 cap rooms. So people, it's only 200 people that noticed, obviously. But um, 
yeah, it, it's just it's just staying consistent and, and, and working hard, man. Well, let's talk about your journey for a second. And I kind of want to revisit some of the interview that we did previously and kind of bring it back. You got your start in music. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were you an MC that kind of got you going? And then from there, you transitioned into? Um, at a very early age, yeah. At, at like when I was 14, maybe I tried to rap. I think I rapped on two songs. Um, and then I figured out um, how to make beats, basically. And uh, all the my crew, we, you know, we had a whole uh, like group of rappers. They were like, bro, you don't even rap. And you're dope at making beats. So you might as well just quit rapping and make beats. And at first, I was like a little bit upset by that. But... I was like, no, you're kind of right. <laughs> like, I, I don't really enjoy rapping, so let me let me just stick to this. And then through making beats, I mean, the whole time I was always the engineer. I didn't really know it at the time, but I was recording and mixing all our stuff. So it kind of just went hand in hand. Did you find fulfillment early on, though, being an engineer and doing music production versus being the rap artist? You know, like, yeah. you know how sometimes, you know, you being – being the guy behind the guy could be a little conflicting at times, depending on your personality. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I never, I never wanted to be uh, the guy in the front, particularly, you know, I always enjoyed being the DJ, you know, essentially, or the guy behind the scenes. Like it's cool to be on stage and stuff like that, but I never wanted to be like the star. <laughs> that was never my, my bag. So I guess when did it become real? When did like the actual, career path become a real thing like a real career because you know you start you know kind of doing it with the homies and then you 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 somehow or another you get a break where did that break come from was it an internship was it a job was a was it a specific project like how did you get noticed and recognized um i mean i guess my first break was uh, i had to do an internship for college um and i my a good friend of mine was living in chicago going to art school and he needed a roommate and I needed to get, I was in a small state in upstate New York. There's really nowhere to do internships in the music business. So um, this is around when Kanye and everybody was popping. Lupe out of Chicago. Common was had just dropped uh, his albums with Ye. Um, so I moved to Chicago you know, on a whim. And I got an internship at a studio called Hinge that did the Lupe albums and the Kanye uh they did a bunch of, Kanye worked a lot there before he was signed. He did Heard Him Say there and uh, a couple other records. We ended up doing some songs off graduation there. Um, so that was my first like real industry uh, experience. A lot of gospel records that were big that, you know, people might not know, like the Clark Sisters and stuff like that, jazz records. Um, so that was my first like break. But then I was going to move to Philly and work out of a studio there, but it kind of fell through. And my brother was living in New York. He's like, why don't you just come, you know, crash here with me for a little while. Cause I had time off and, you know, while I was in between jobs, I guess. And I kind of fell in love with New York and I worked at a music store here. And, uh, through that, I met, um, this gentleman by the name of Charles Roan, who was working, he was, he had a room at premier studio and that's where I met premier and, you know, things kind of just cascaded from there. Um, the Preen was working on Street Hop, Royce's album, and Joe came through. And Charles had known Joe uh, from a studio in Jersey, and Joe was looking for a studio. And you know, he came in, and Charles was doing a bunch of uh, mixing and production stuff for TV, so he didn't really have time to do sessions with you know recording sessions. So he had me do it, and that's kind of where things started, like on a, a now basis. And then you just kind of, from there, you were able to start touching other projects, whether it be 
Boys, Slaughterhouse, and eventually doing all the Joe stuff. And yeah, yeah, that, it just grew that, from there. And Joe had a DJ that uh, uh, stood him up on a couple gigs, and he needed a DJ, so I started DJing for him, and you know, just kept going from there. One thing led to another, and one thing led to another, one thing led to another. What year was that? Uh, I started at headquarters in 2007. And I probably started working with Joe in 2008 or nine, I would say. Mm. So but after he had just put out Padded Room, I believe, or Escape Route, one or the other. I think it was Padded Room. And it was before Mood Music 4. So the first stuff that we were doing was kind of just, you know, Joe used to put a lot of stuff on the, uh, as leaks, you know what I mean? One-off songs on the internet. Um, so we're doing a bunch of this stuff for that. And then we did Slaughterhouse and then we did Mood Music 4. And yeah, it, it just, one thing led to another. Was there ever like a, a, a doubt? Like not so much a doubt. Let me, refute, let me, let me reword that. Was there ever a, a point in time where you're like, you know what, like maybe I should be doing something else? Or did you ever have an alternate career path? Uh, not really. Um, I mean, I've worked other jobs. I worked, you know, the music store was a retail job. I worked in restaurants my whole life, bartending, whatever, before uh, doing music full-time. But music full-time was always the goal. Um, it was certainly tough at the beginning. And shit, still tough sometimes now. Working in music, the, you know, we don't have salaries and fucking retirement and benefits. So especially when you're first starting out, that shit is very, very difficult especially because you have to usually live in a city like New York or LA or somewhere that's expensive to live. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was times where I thought about stopping and getting a day job, but then sessions would come up and gigs would come up and, and steer me away. So um, yeah, the, the end goal was always music or, you know, I guess entertainment is more specific what we're doing now, but um, yeah, there was always doubts. Yeah. When the money was low, there was doubts. Yeah, I imagine, man. I mean, right now is one of those times where a lot of people are going through it with COVID, you know, and just being able to adapt to this has been, uh, it's been very challenging. You know, me, you know, I make a living off of producing live events. You know, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do so. You know, uh, I don't know how New York is, but Texas is, is a mess right now in regards to COVID cases. They're just spiking, spiking, spiking. So it's been, it's been challenging, but, you know, uh, you just got to keep on persevering and pushing through it. Uh, going back to Joe, though, I do want to ask you something because I feel like this is something I want to know. Maybe the fans want to know, too. If you were a betting man, will he ever rap again? Um, yes. Yes, <laughs> I think he'll rap again. Do I uh, – I don't know if I could see him doing, like, tours as a rapper. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know how far he would go into rapping. I could definitely see him doing a couple verses here or there. I could see him maybe even putting out a, a, a project, whether it's an EP or a song or something like that. I, I think that he still has the itch. Um, I don't know how deep he would want to go with it, pause if uh, necessary, but um, I think that he will rap again. I think that when you're a creator, uh, you still do the things that you like to do, and eventually it will make sense for you to do them uh, on, a, on a bigger scale. So I, I say that to say this, you know, I had Crook on the show and, and, you know, we had talked about Slaughterhouse and, you know, he, he kind of alluded to the fact that he felt that that chapter might not be fully closed because, you know, there's been so much, I don't even know what you want to call that, right? But there's been so much uh, just misunderstandings with the situation, 
but he, you know, uh, he did leave the door open. And then obviously I was listening to the podcast, started hearing the conversations kind of, you know, start happening. Do you think they'll ever at least make a song? I don't know. We don't need a project. At least one song with those guys would be, would be really cool to, to give to that, uh, to that base, you know? Yeah, I can see that happening. And I don't think that that chapter is closed. He, Kirk was actually just tweeting something about writing a book about Slaughterhouse today on Twitter. And I was like, I don't know if you want to write that book yet because it, it, might, it might not be closed. You know, I don't, I don't want to say for sure, but I could see that being a situation in Joe in which Joe would be comfortable uh, rapping again because it's not all on him. You know, he could just do some verses here or there, come up with some concepts. It's, it's not as – I think when you do group projects, it makes things a little bit easier for an individual. Speaking of group projects, you have one coming out. On I do. Uh, Friday, uh, which would be June 10th, I believe. Uh, me and Passport Gift are dropping another project called No Vaccine. Um, it kind of started out as like a tongue-in-cheek type of joke, but it ended up being pretty pretty real and political, not really on purpose. But um, here we are. So I'm excited about that. So speaking of, you know, the project, because I know that you've put projects out, you know, with him before. Like, how does that, how does that like come about? Is it something that you know, you're still very actively involved with in terms of the creation of the music and stuff like that. Or is yeah, I, I do most of the beats on all the project. He's a producer as well, a really talented producer. So he does usually, I don't know if we do uh, 10 songs, he might do three or four. Um, and I do the other ones. And even the ones that he does, I'll maybe add some drums or some keyboard parts or some guitars or whatever it is. So um, we hang out like every Saturday, whether it's on Zoom now or uh, before COVID or and hopefully post COVID in person and we just dig through records come up with ideas and we're just in a constant stream of sending each other shit creatively and like i say he's a very talented producer and he's a he's a great mc so shit just gets done man we have two more albums kind of waiting because we're just constantly doing shit so this covid thing right like you know you've obviously had to adapt doing the zoom stuff like have you really gone anywhere during this time frame like have you been at home no no I've, I've been home almost entirely i went uh the studio I work out of um, with Premiere is, I have a room at that studio. It's about a 10 minute, 15 minute walk for me. So I go there a couple, couple times a week, maybe. Um, but for the most part, I am, I am home. <laughs> As you should be, man. You know, I don't know that a lot of people have taken this serious, man, but, you know, I just got on uh, Instagram before I got on here and I saw a few people that I know that actually just got tested positive for it, for COVID. And I'm like, man, this is, Again, Texas is wilder, man. So like, it's becoming very, very difficult for uh, for me to like want to leave now. Like, I don't leave anyways, but you know, like, really, because <laughs> you know, my kids and everything. I just don't want to. I don't want to bring it home. So, I, I, I hope that people are taking it very serious because it's it's not nothing to play with right now. You know. Yeah, that, I think it's been an interesting thing. Is New York got hit so hard at the beginning that we kind of adapted maybe a little bit quicker in the rest of the country maybe the rest of the country didn't take it as serious um but it's been serious in new york since the beginning it was the first place that was super drastically serious at least and it's 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 curtailed a lot here but i'm still not really in a hurry to go out anywhere i mean i'll get takeout um sometimes we'll you know get on little motor scooters and ride around the neighborhood or go hang out in the park or something like that but i'm not i'm not going anywhere where there's a lot of people <laughs> i'm cool you know, and, and, and I guess in a sense, I kind of wanted to know, like, in your opinion, uh, you know, this is just off, you know, off subject, but like, yeah. 
talked about, you know, live events and stuff like that. When do you really see that coming back? You know, like, if ever, you know, like, I don't see it until next year sometime. Um, maybe next spring, summer, before it's, like, real. I mean, it depends on – it depends on what happens uh, with vaccines and, you know, who knows how this thing's going to mutate. We, we, you know, we have no idea. But I, I can't really foresee real life as far as touring outside of alter, alternative things like uh, the drive-in thing, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, or socially distant shows that are outdoors, like Chappelle's was super small, but something like that, yeah, I could see happening. Or sporting events, man. I think sporting events is going to be the one thing that's going to be the most uh, challenging thing to kind of get back to. You know, they can't. They can't do crowds. They can't. They can. They can do. I don't even know if they can do. There's it's physical contact in in all the sports yeah. except yeah. for baseball, I guess. But um, I don't see how they could have crowds anytime soon. Exactly. Not really. Well, you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to see if you were up to to, to play a game, man. Uh, so I see a lot of people on Twitter. They always they always message you. They always want you to critique their music. And yeah. you know, I know you're like, hey, man, I think it's a, a, a dirtbag thing to do to charge people to critique their music. I, I, I was advocating for the Parks playlist. You know, mm. one thing that me and Corey had talked about was, you know, for those that don't know, obviously, Ma had a master class in Texas. I was the guy that kind of masterminded that whole situation. I originally actually wanted to do one with you. And I know we discussed it on several occasions because I feel like you have a lot to offer in terms of the sound stuff, you know, sure. like the mixing, the mastering and, you know, recording and stuff like that. Uh, obviously with everything that's gone on, it's been hard to, to move on it, but nonetheless, everybody gets on Twitter like, yo man, you know, we want, we want to see if you critique our record. So I want to play a game with you. I want to play three records from you from three independent artists. And I just want you to give me a thumbs up, thumbs down and kind of break down the record just to have fun. Okay. I mean, hopefully it sounds good over Zoom, but let's try. All right, let's try it. So I'm going to start off right here. I think I'm going to start off the first track. It's going to be more of a club record. This right here is an artist. He's actually from Dallas, Texas. His name is XO, and I want to play the record right now. I don't know if you can hear it, but we're about to try. It's called Dirty Diana. Let's go. Okay. How does that sound? Okay. Be my dirty Diana, wanna put you on count. Stare at your backside, it like you're walking in power. I wanna bite that dog's piece, say she not from Atlanta. I fuck with you, you mean my style, cause I'm trying to drink on that pineapple fire. Be my dirty Diana, dirty, dirty, wanna put you on count. When I give a magic like a Lando, yeah. I'm a hurricane category five blow through your crib and breathe right through your window. Hey. And I'm counting my girl's face. She don't want my way and then we back away. I'm too ready for this, I'm a way to say. You a victim in my demonstration now. I'm fucking with it. Yeah. It's a little bit hard to uh, make out what he's saying lyrically, but it sounded like he's got a cool voice and, you know, it, it sounded pretty cool. This is probably not something that I would play personally because it's more like club like i'm not gonna listen to that at the crib maybe but uh 
it, he, he sounded like he, it sounded like it was good. It's a dope song, you know. It, it's funny because like you know, I always say I freestyle my interviews. I never have a plan, and I was like, you know, what can I do that nobody else has done? I'm like, I want to do a one-on-one session with Parks critiquing some records. So that right there, so I thought it was a dope song. I don't know. I just wanted to play that one right there. Where's he from? What part of Texas? He is from Dallas, Texas, man. I had to show love to the hometown out here. You know what I'm saying? So No doubt. And I, and I just picked records that I thought would be cool to play. So Why do you think that uh, Dallas, Texas doesn't have as vibrant of a musical scene as like Houston? I as far say, as artists that went mainstream, at least. I'm not know, saying that uh, the city itself probably has a ton of artists and creatives there, but. I think historically you have artists, you know, DOC obviously played a big part, you know. In, Erica. In, in not only Erica, but obviously the whole entire West Coast sound of, you know, writing a good portion of Dr. K stuff, Snoop Dogg stuff, you know, and obviously NWA stuff. But, you know, uh, he had the accident, so that cut his career short to where he could actually be that guy, because I feel like it would have been inevitable. He would have been the guy, DOC. But we've had other artists over the years, you know, in terms of the hip-hop stuff that have gone signed. You know, you got a few guys now uh, that have gone picked up. It, it just hasn't translated uh, the way that Houston did, because I think when Houston did it, they all kind of, it all happened all at once. Mm. Like, that just happens in spurts. Like, you might have an artist that gets signed, and then, you know, two, three years later, you get another guy that gets signed. And not everybody hits, man. I don't know. You know, it's, it might be, a, it might be a, a marketing situation. You know what I'm saying? So Maybe so. And shout out to DOC. He's one of, the, one, of the, one of the best of all time, for sure. I also think, too, man, this is another thing. You know, I think it's identifying a sound, right? Because we talk about, you know, music and we talk about artists and stuff like that. How, how can we find a way to give these, these artists uh, an identity? Because a lot of times just naturally what happens is they, they, they emulate what they hear. And right. so sometimes you'll hear some of the guys in Dallas and like, yo, this doesn't sound like it's coming out of Dallas. I don't even know what that's, that means because normally, like, you know, they don't have a sound here. You know what I mean? They don't have a sound here. So I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of like, uh, just kind of spitballing. But anyways, I'm going to play two more songs real quick. These are, these are other oh. artists. This is an artist from Dallas, Texas as well. His name is Rakim Aljabar. The name is, uh, the song is called The Antidote. It's produced by Static Select. So let's hear this. It sounds like it's going to be fire already. <laughs> All right, his name is Rakim, you know, after that. Right. The, you know. Call the morgue and tell them we need 21 cash. 21 blue cash. And 21 money over the for the family. Shameless got it out for me. Vampires fall victim to my alchemy. I can smell the fears they surrounding me. Hounding me, how can he be born at the balcony? Be born to the casualties to respond from my faculty. They're blocked if you doubted me. This is God speaking. Meanwhile, God speaking. Diamonds ignorant from your forehead. Got jaw reaching. Y'all reaches for still believing in false teachings. Just focus because we know they rock. Told you to do your speakers about the triple black darkness. Now as the seeds come to harvest, word to God, me, I'm the hardest. The power that I Make the child a for us. She can blood in my forest at the skin for the garments. The type of wool on you and Corbin. Hip hop, son of the morning, so beaming like a lighthouse. So they cut these mics out. Uh, various victims vandalizing. Mama rapper terrorizing. I just count it sanitizing. Never mind you. You feel it's ain't the kind of what it's like for rhyming. I just. It's hard for me to hear his lyrics, but. He he sounds he sounds like Scarface a little bit, or unless that's just my speakers. But no, no, actually that's that's the that's the one thing that a lot of people say. He sounds like Face, you know. That shit sounded dope. That sounded real dope. That's that's dope. Well, you know, we'll stop there. I, I'm not gonna play no more. But I think that's that's two. We we just did that. You know what I'm saying? So 
it wasn't so bad, parts. You know, you might need to start doing. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah. I, listen, I want to do something like that. I just don't want to do it. I don't want. I don't. I think it's like I said. It's, I think it's dirtbag uh, charging people to to listen to their music. But if there was a, 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 a outlet that wanted to do something like that, I would be interested in, in doing it. Because um, I do really enjoy it. Like um, the the few, I think I did it three or four times, especially at the beginning of COVID. Um, I found a lot of talented people, man. It was really hard to weed through it all, though. I will say that. I, I might need someone, a, a second set of ears to help me weed through stuff because I literally got a thousand demos or whatever, a thousand songs in like an hour the first time I did it. I was like, there's abs- that's like four days straight worth of music. There's no way I can listen to it all. Um, but it was it was fun. And there was, like I said, there's some some dope artists that came out of it. Arts playlist. I'm telling you, man. You know, that's what I was trying to tell you. I, I told Corey, and I was like trying to convince him to get Ma to do a, a playlist because I'm like, you know, it doesn't require a lot just to kind of show love to some of the guys that are coming in. But you know, I I know how how like you said, it could be overwhelming. You know, with the amount of volume of people that are going to be sending you music and stuff. You know. Yeah, it's extremely overwhelming. But it's like I said, it's great. It's great. I I really liked doing it. And I got to hear a lot of different shit from a lot of different places, you know, international music, all that, which is dope. But it is extremely time consuming to listen to a thousand songs an hour. You can't do it. Well, you know, I, w- I wanted to ask you as far as like, uh, you know, the Joe, the, 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 the podcast fan base. I know we were talking about the podcast earlier, but you guys have a, a really, really loyal fan base, a really fanatical fan base. You know, I, I've, I've, Honestly, you know, I've reaped the benefits of being even associated and affiliated with you guys. You've name dropped me on several podcasts. So I've had a lot of the the base, you know, show me love, whether it be Athena, whether it be, you know, April. Uh, so many great people over there, man, uh, that I've just met through through you guys. But I say that to say this, like, what has been one of the more fanatical things that have happened that has happened to you you know have, have you got that parks tattoo on <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying? No, no someone had a jbp tattoo on so that was pretty cool um <laughs> no i mean I, I can't say anything was super crazy or fanatical i mean the funny thing is i've had uh i've been like outside with a client uh at a studio somewhere uh a client who's very well known and someone was just walking down the street and asked him to take a picture of me in, in the the fan, you know what I mean. So that kind of stuff was funny to me. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's like very famous, and I'm not really that famous." But they wanted the picture of me. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so it's, it's love, though, man. Our fans are fucking awesome, man. Like I, I meet a lot of them just walking, uh, hearing a story. Of Steinway is like a, a a lit street as far as shopping and and bars and stuff like that. And I walk down there quite a bit, you know, because I like to go to bars and go shopping. And I meet people all the time, man. And they're just cool. They're 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 great, great cool fans man i know you mentioned to me that whenever you went to the grocery store you would go to the grocery store and people will stop you and talk to him like because I, I asked him like do you ever get tired of just talking like because you talk all this time during the show and then obviously you know through, i mean do you ever get tired of like man i just want to turn it down and you're like but i go to the grocery store and people coming up to me talking to me about yeah so i mean there's certain uh, the old gym i used to go to actually both gyms i used to go to there was a couple people that wanted to talk it's like bro i'm just trying to work out man you know what i mean like there's there's certain things where it's just not the right time you know what i mean grocery store is cool though I'll, the people at the grocery store store all know me so that that's kind of dope but uh um yeah, yeah you do get tired of talking though i'm not gonna lie um after the show especially like i don't want to talk man i want to sit on the couch and look at twitter and put some 
something on TV and veg out in silence for three hours. How, how long after you record did you go into post-production and start mixing that episode? I don't have to do much in post-production. I have it set up where we basically are done when we're done. I mean, sometimes there's a little small edits here and there and obviously uh, bouncing everything and sending out the files and stuff like that, but I don't have to do a ton of mixing after the fact. What, so what is it that you ultimately want to do like i mean i know right now with everything going on it's hard to predict the future with the state of the world right but like just you know what would you like you know what would you like to do not only with the podcast but you as a as a, as a your, your career you know i know you got the project coming out on friday i'm excited to hear you know obviously i encourage everybody to support it uh to stream it to download it to buy it um but what 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 is it that you're wanting to you don't want to do you want to get further into production do you want to get you want to start producing, you know, separate content. I mean, what, what do you kind of have in mind? Um, I kind of want to just keep doing what I'm doing, but at, at, at a higher level and, uh, you know, some, some more organized stuff, I guess there's, there's some, some business stuff that I, I would like to get tightened up. Um, but yeah, I, I still really just enjoy mixing records, producing my underground hip hop records. I enjoy, uh, doing the podcast with my friends. I don't really particularly want to do my own content piece unless it was something that really, really felt right. Um, like I would be down to do the, the, the judging music thing or something like that if it, if it was the right situation and it felt right. But um, man, I, yeah, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing and doing it better and, and, and more often and with better results, honestly. No, nah, I hear you, man. I think that's what it what it's all about, you know, and I think that, you know, since I've known you, you've come a long way and it's only going up from here. So uh, again, you know, I, I say that I'm proud of you guys, uh, but I really, really am because that grind that, you know, that you guys, that you guys put in that I saw five years ago and, you know, it was prior to that as well. Mm -hmm. to evolve, it, it really is a testament that hard work pays off. You have to stay persistent. You have to stay at it. And uh, you have to believe, man. You know what I'm saying? Because not everybody's going to see the vision, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you, you just got to kind of put your head down and work, honestly, is, is, is what it comes down to. Um, and stick with shit, you know? I've, I see a lot of people that are creatives that just keep switching lanes, which is fine. But to abandon your – something that maybe started to get some traction is, is a, a bad idea, in my personal opinion. Like, if something is working – yeah, you might want to come over here and try something like maybe you make music and you want to get into uh, photography. Cool. You, but that doesn't mean you should stop making music. Like keep doing, you do multiple things. It's okay to do more than one thing. Yeah. And I think I'm just now starting to really learn that, you know, uh, as I did the events and I started creating these relationships and I started meeting people, you know, uh, I, I wanted to start different areas. Like I wanted to leverage these relationships that I had within the music industry and say, you know what, man, I, I want to start interviewing these guys because these outlets, man, they, they could do you dirty. You know, I, I mentioned to you a little while ago, like, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, that'll take, but they won't, they don't want to give, you know what I'm saying? So like the, the outlets in specific, you know, local media and radio, they'll take the interviews from the artists that I'm bringing in town. They won't mention the company. So it got to a point where I'm like, Hey man, I want to start controlling what I'm paying for essentially. Right. Yeah. So that's what led for me to get into interviews. And I actually didn't want to do this. I actually, I actually interviewed Crook by accident uh, and people really enjoyed it from that point forward. I was like, you know what, I'm going to get into it. And, you know, I just put out an interview a few days ago and, and Missy Elliott took notice in it, you know, and oh, wow. 
Congratulations. Amy Winehead had like issued like a public statement and apology because she uh, she felt some type of way about something that was in the interview. And you know whether or not that's that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm just like, yo, man, there's someone that I admire that's that's watching my work. Clearly, I'm on the right path. I just got to stay at it. You know what I'm saying? And and you guys have given that formula to uh, to to stay at it, in my opinion. So yeah, you gotta you gotta stick with everything that you do. I mean, if something's like wearing on your soul then yeah maybe maybe dump it off but in the creative fields first of all not many people earn their entire income through one route you know most producers dj or uh put out you know compilation albums or work as a and r's or consultants to labels or whatever like not many people in the music and entertainment business do one thing only and i know that you can you can't. No, it's impossible. At least to sustain a living, you have to do other things. You have to get your hands in as many cookie jars as you can. And, and But do it the right way. You know, don't do it, like, just for the sake of doing it. Do it effectively. Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to ask you, man, uh, and I think I may have DM'd you about this before. Would you ever be open to, like, doing, like, a, like a DJ gig? Like, you know, like you coming in as a future DJ to, like, a nightclub and stuff like that? Obviously, not right now, but would that, is that something that, you, that you've ever been approached about, or, or would you have ever done it? I've been approached, uh, and I've done it. I, I, don't, I don't love doing it just because <laughs> uh, I don't really enjoy that music. Yeah. Or, yeah. or I do enjoy it, but I don't want to work. You know what I mean? Like I like being at the club and hearing club music, but I don't want to be the one DJing it. Like I want to get twisted and have a good time. Um, but if it was the right situation, uh, yeah. You know, if it was somewhere that was catered to music that I like to play and stuff like that, then, then yeah, I would be into it. Yo, before we wrap up, I got to ask you because you know, Texas shows you guys a lot of love. How dope has Texas been to you and how dope has it been to the, to the whole entire team? Man, we love Texas, man. Texas, Houston, Dallas, Austin, all that shit. I love Texas, man. I really do. That's, That's a good memories out here, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, San Antonio, too. We had a lot of fun in San Antonio. San Antonio is kind of the underrated one out of the batch. You know what I mean? Like, I was a sports fan growing up, so that, that, was, that was dope to get to party in San Antonio a couple yeah, times. You know what I'm saying? You, you, uh, you're a Tim Duncan guy, huh? What's that? Tim Duncan guy, huh? Uh, I actually became a Spurs fan from Dennis Rodman and, and – um, Sean Elliott days. Oh, Sean Elliott. Yeah, that was when I became a fan, and then they happened to just dominate for two decades. So that was pretty cool. That's the one sports team that I've seen be successful. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And they did it the right way, man. Then them guys were like, you never heard no controversy over there. It was just straight ball. Not much. A little thing, a couple things here and there. Pop, pop, pop is great, man. I love pop. Yeah, man. Texas shows a lot of love, and like I said, man, Texas got a lot of love for you guys, man. And as always, man, I. I, you know, I just appreciate you taking time to have the conversation. You know, I don't want to take up much more of your time. That's all good. Always show love, bro. And I can't wait till you guys get back and the world goes back to normal so I can see you guys kill it on stage in front of five, six, seven thousand people. Bro, I can't wait to get back to Texas, man. I was really sad that we we couldn't, we couldn't go there, man. And touring in general, I just love touring. It's fun. I didn't travel much as a kid. My family didn't really like to travel. So I'm really glad that in my adult life, I've traveled for a living. What's the uh, and, I, and I missed the shit out of it. What's the dopest place that you've been to that you were just like, bro, I didn't expect this place to be so damn lit? Uh, Dublin. Dublin was up there. Dublin was super fucking lit. I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, in Stateside, 
I don't know. I, it's hard to call. There's a lot. I, I love the Bay a lot. I love uh, I love Austin. I love I love Houston, obviously. But I think everyone knows that Houston's lit. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to pick stateside, but did we ever get to the bottom of who's behind the Joe Button Fitz uh, Instagram account? <laughs> Still have no idea. Not to my knowledge. Man, that guy right there, man. He's hilarious. Man, he's the man. <laughs> Wait, are, you trying, are you trying to tell me it's you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to reveal myself today, Dodge. Listen, <laughs> nah, man. But, hey, Parks, I appreciate you, man. I, I don't want to take up much more of your time, man. You know, nah, you, it's all good, bro. That's the game, bro. And, and you have no idea what it means, man. So, thank you so much, man. Continued success. Can't wait to see what you guys have in store, man. And uh, last, anything you want to say to the fans before we get up out of here? No, thank you to the fans always, man, for sure. And thank you to you, too, man. You always show love back. So, you know, it goes, it goes both ways. Yeah, no no vaccine, me and passport gift. That's that's Friday, uh July tenth. So if this comes out after that, then it's out. Uh go cop that. And uh it's all love and thank you for doing the interview, man. Oh, thank you for doing it, man. And I look forward to hearing the project and I encourage everybody to check it out. Nothing beats experience that is parks. You make sure to check them out every Wednesday and Saturday on Spotify. And yes, beyond. sir. Yes sir. yes, sir. All right. Uh, let me end the recording. Sheesh.